This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 24 for September 29th, 2010. Michaelmas and Mines. Just a note of apology, uh, Dr. Chris Bergwald here. When Father Andrew and I taped this podcast earlier today on the 29th, uh, the beginning of our conversation unfortunately was cut off. Uh, we, the topic is the feast of Saints Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael the Archangels. And Father was talking about the meaning of their names and how he's struck by the meaning of their names. Michael meaning uh, who is like God, Raphael referring to the, the healing power of God, and Gabriel to the strength of God. So that first initial part of Father elaborating on their meaning, the meaning of their names, unfortunately, was cut off. Uh, we'll pick up as he's just finishing the meaning of Gabriel, the meaning of his name, um, strength of God. Thank you, and God bless. The, uh, the strength of God is then manifested by uh, the incarnation. Okay. I mean, in the incarnation, I, I don't know if that's where you're going, but the incarnation is uh, the strength of God revealed. Sure. Uh, in, uh, in poverty and taking on lowly human flesh and uh, in all those things. Huh. And so, but I mean, and, and, I mean because through, through that little baby, through Mary's yes, through this poor, uh, you know, young girl in a poor backwater province of the world, the salvation of the world is shown for Right. So the strength of God, the healing of God, and who is like God. Yeah. And all of them because they all end in L, which is, I believe, one of the Hebrew words for God, like a God. Okay. So the, the, there's other names that end in L uh, in the Bible. Uh, Daniel, I believe, means the justice of God. Okay. Where God is my justice. Um, and Samuel uh, means God hears. Now, I don't know if you know the story of the prophet Samuel from his birth. Top of your head. Um, from, his, from his birth? Mm. Or, his, or his conception, I should say. No. Well, not his. Oh, that his, mother, his mother wanted a child, and she went to the temple and begged God for a child and said she would give the child to God if he would grant her one. Is that what you're referring to? Right, right. Okay. But the interesting thing there is that she was praying aloud, uh, which apparently was unusual. And uh, Eli, uh, the priest or the prophet of the time guarding the tabernacle, goes up to her and uh, uh, berates her, calling her a drunkard, huh. who's babbling in front of the temp- or in front of the uh, ark of the Lord. And she says, "I'm not drunk. I'm just overcome uh, with emotion because I really want to have uh, a child." And he says to her, "God has heard. God has heard you." Huh. So that's in First Samuel. So. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, um, we celebrate their feasts today. Um, I, I, one thing, as you and I were talking beforehand, to me, this is, I think the, the topic of angels uh, is one that sort of piques people's curiosity because, um, as, you, as you had said um, before we, we uh, restarted recording, um, you know, it's, it's the unknown. Or it's something we don't know. It's, it's mysterious, and, and people are always sort of curious about the unknown and the mysterious. Um, one thing that was, was just sort of one of those neat things to me about angels, um, their name, you know, angel, the catechism talks, I think referencing St. Augustine, talks about how um, angel actually refers to their office, the role that they play in God's plan. Um, angel being a messenger. Uh, I think it's from, from uh, the Latin word, I believe, for, for 
one who carries a message, who brings a message. So angels are messengers from God. Uh, what they are in their being, they're, they're simply pure spirits. Um, uh, it's, it's sort of the obvious point, but, but they're, they're pure spirits who were created by God um, before God created um, Adam and Eve, that is, man and woman. Um, so, so before human beings were created, hu- human persons were created, uh, angelic persons were the first ones created. We don't know how many were created, but we do know that all of us have a guardian angel uh, whose intercession we can seek and who is with us um, to guide us, protect us, and so on, lead, close, lead us closer to Christ. Um, but, but there are, you know, have presumably millions, if not billions, of angels who were created. And one thing, Father, that... Um, you know, just those silly thoughts. They've seen a lot. You know, they've been around a long time, and they've probably seen pretty much. They're an old campaigner. They exactly. They are an old campaigner. So you know, I, I mean, I don't think about that often enough in the context of my prayer and my my seeking the intercession of, of my guardian angel. But I probably could. That you know, probably you know. He, quote-unquote, uh, you know, could probably say, you know, been there, done that, in the sense of having seen that before, you know. Probably a lot of people, um, a lot of his charges, perhaps, uh, you know, we don't know exactly how the assignment process works out in heaven, um, but but just a, obviously a lot of wisdom, seriously, a lot of wisdom, experience, and certainly knowledge of God that, that our angels, uh, our guardian angels um, have or are, 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 are possess, possess they possess in order to help us. I think it's a whole different. It, it puts a whole different aspect on, and uh, I, I think it can lead to a greater familiarity with them and a greater trust uh, in the in their guardianship that God has given them. Right. You know, to us, so that I can say, hey, you know, it's it's it's, it's kind of like when you finally figure out, like, when going to confession, that you know the priest has probably heard it before. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, which I'm still learning for myself going to confession. Anyways, but uh, you know that oh, you know, I mean, so I mean, and not to be crass, it's almost like get over your embarrassment, just go with it, right? You know, or it's like the doctor. You know, I, I went to the dentist yesterday and had my teeth cleaned. You know, and like, how's your flosser going? Flossing going there, Father Dickinson? Uh, you know, pretty <laughs> badly. I don't floss very well at all. You know. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing too, I mean, you know, you and I have talked in various contexts before about um, being alone um, in the sense of, well, being alone. But we're never alone because God is with us, but we're also never alone because our guardian angel is always with us. Right. To, again, to guide us, protect us, to be, uh, I mean, the, the, the angels aren't fellow pilgrims because they already see God in all his glory um, but but they're they're they, in a sense they, they've arrived and yet they are still like the saints um, able to assist us on our way as we um, hopefully are progressing towards that same beatific vision um, at the end of our lives I want to go back to your uh, comment at the beginning when you're talking about uh, not the beginning but you mentioned uh, how angel uh, is really a uh, a function, not necessarily their identity, right? You know, and I think, and I think we can go back to with with the archangels who are, uh, whom we are privileged to actually know their name: uh, Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. And Gabriel, okay. what is it? Gabriel? I feel like Yosemite Sam. We're talking about. 
uh, Gabriel and Edmund Agardag. And uh, uh, but we actually know their name. That's since we know their their identity more, not just their function, but their identity in that sense. Right, right. Uh, which is really a privilege. You can think about that in um, with with the people around you about knowing knowing their name and knowing more about them more distinctly. Um, anyone that's ever taught uh, school or uh, CCD or Sunday school, you know, you know, you need to have name the power of the name. Uh, yeah. When you're in class to get their attention, you know, hey, you, 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 you know, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it's yeah. a great, it's great, it's a great gift to have uh, the names of the archangels. It, 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 indeed, it is. Um, you know, the, the catechism has some, you know, in terms of what we know, uh, de fide, that is a matter of faith. What we know um, with the certitude of faith about angels is actually, frankly. Um, Relative, there's not a lot there, but but over the centuries, there's been a lot of theological speculation um, about the angels. Um, I, one of the things that always struck me, I, I, Thomas Aquinas, among others, has has commented uh, that because angels are spiritual beings, and we're not, I'm not going to get into the to, to great detail about the the philosophy here, the metaphysics here, because. It'd take us too long and too too far. Uh, and I'm philosophically deficient, according to my seminary. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, that's not my experience of you, Father. But be that as it may, that uh, angels, every angel, Thomas says, and again, this is this is more theological speculation and not something we know as a matter of definitive truth. But it's still interesting to me. Angels, every angel, because they're spiritual beings, every angel is his own species. Yeah. Uh, that the nature of spiritual beings, spiritual persons, is such that every angel um, is a species unto himself, um, which is just fascinating. So, so there's a great difference. You know, I think to me, when we think of angels, of course, because they're incorporeal, because they don't have a body, because they're spiritual. Um, Five bonus we, points for using incorporeal. Thank you very much. Uh, be, because of, of the nature, of, when we try to imagine them, of course, we can't imagine them um, literally because... Uh, they don't have any any physical form, but when they don't we have sort of an image to imagine exactly. So when we give them a, f- a physical form, though, just for the sake of metaphor and imagination, uh, they tend to all be pretty darn similar looking. You know, whether it's the little cherubs with the little you know uh, you know bubbly cheeks, the plump cheeks, or more of the strong like with with Michael um, hit, battling with Satan. You know, the, the you know sort of the you know, sort of the curly flowingish hair and that sort of thing, um, or the various portrayals of Raphael or Gabriel. Very pious Gabriel. Exactly, um, but they all, there's certainly a commonality, and there's only, there's a few, you know, probably a, a handful of of general styles uh, that 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 artists have used to portray angels um, in sacred art. And yet, though, the, the, uh, as Thomas and others would put it, every angel is is unique to the point that they are each their own species. That's just one of those. That's kind of neat things. I mean, again, not knowing for certain that's the truth of things, but it does make sense to me when you when you look at the philosophy behind it. Um, that's just one of those, huh, kinda, that's kind of cool things to me. You're getting very metaphysical there. Uh, uh, and very I'll... efficient in my philosophy. <laughs> and, and, and so there's that point. But the other thing that sort of strikes me, um, 
there was a, a writer, Pseudo Dionysius, he's referred to uh, uh, um, in the patristic period, in the early centuries of the church, who sort of also using some philosophy, but also some hints in, in Paul's writings and elsewhere in scripture, uh, articulated that there, there are various choirs of angels, ranks of angels, I, I think seven. Uh, he enumerated seven choirs of angels, um, the, ch- the seraphim, cherubim, principalities, powers, and so on, archangels, thrones, archangels, thrones. Um, so that's one of those interesting things. I don't know, Father, have you, uh, I mean, anything, whether it's that or anything else, ever kind of strike your fancy about angelology? Angelology, by the way, is a, is a sub-discipline of theology. I remember when I took a course, I've got, I got I, at home, I think, um, um, a dissertation that some priest had written that I got a copy of in college um, on some particular aspect of and every day, every every dissertation is so precise and narrow in its focus, but some little aspect of of angelology. So there is this field. But anything, anything, Father, um, pique your curiosity about angelology? Well, I, uh, I think just kind of going over my head. Uh, I think it's nine choirs of angels. Nine, okay, nine. Uh, uh, cher- uh, seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, powers. Um, it's our games. Maybe it is seven. You say principal- principalities in there? I don't know if you listed them or not. You might be going too Paul on that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, not, not that you can be too Pauline. <laughs> you can way too biblical. And this, is a, this, is a, this is a Catholic podcast. Yeah. Although, I mean, then I was quoting uh, Daniel, Samuel, uh, Luke, Tobit, uh, Revelations earlier, so I guess I'll just forget that I said that. Yeah. Uh, you know, nah, I, I think, uh, oh, actually, one thing that I, <laughs> I got this actually from a, uh, it's an image I got from a Peter Kreef book, you know, talking about, you're talking about the individuality of angels. Yeah. In that sense, the kind of fascination, how they all appear the same. Um, looking over my left shoulder, or looking at my left shoulder right now, is an image of Our Lady, uh, Queen of the Angels. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't remember who did it, but it's very beautiful. And of course, the angels all look like the same face. But uh, brings to mind when you talk about Our Lady as the Queen of Heaven and Earth and the Queen of the Angels, you know, uh, Regina Angelorum, mm-hmm. Queen of the Angels. Uh, you know, for, for me, I, I, whenever I think about her in that sense, I always have a hard time thinking about her as a sweet, quiet, blessed Virgin Mary. Oh, yes, like an Irish mother. You're an Irish grandmother. Oh, sure, my dear. You just go and relax. Okay. I'll take care of things. But, uh, but you know, she's the queen of the angels. You know, I mean, she's the queen of Michael. You know, right, uh, right. and she's the queen of the, uh, of the cherubim who uh, burn. The cherubim, the ones that burn, or is that the seraphim? Flaming uh, seraphim. Seraphim, I think. Flaming seraphim who burn in the presence of God. Right. You know, and actually, that's uh, a neat little bit of angel sinless. You know, traditionally there would be there used to always be six candles on the altar at mass uh, to symbolize the uh, six uh, seraphim that uh, adore the Lord in His presence. Huh. So, huh. you know, the yeah. other thing along with Mary is queen of the angels, and I guess this is more Mariology than angelology, but. Um, Again, not this is something you find in the catechism. It's it's more theological speculation, but th- there's a strong <laughs> argument to be made that um, angels, by their nature, are as purely spiritual beings, are 
superior in a sense, um, higher orders of persons, of creatures, than are human beings, human persons. Um, so there's this, again, this whole argument that, that can be made. Just taking that as a given for the time being, um, one of the fascinating things to me, though, is that even though angels may be superior to us um, as, as beings, Mary is the greatest created person in the universe, in existence, that there ever was and ever will be. Uh, this, again, lowly handmaiden, this, as you were referring to earlier, the incarnation, which happened in the backwoods, the, the, you know, this backwoods, backwater province of the Roman Empire. Um, this this quote-unquote insignificant little girl um, is the greatest created person, higher even than the angels, because yeah. of her complete and total obedience to God. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. And you wonder why Satan pissed off? <laughs> exactly. By the way, speak, by the way um, we're approaching October here, which is one of the months traditionally dedicated to Mary anyway, so not, compl- not, not entirely unapropos to reference her in this context. Not at all. And actually, a, uh, a great feast month for uh, my uh, um, mission uh, up here at uh, Pius XII Newman Center. Uh, our dedication 50 years ago was on October 7th, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Wow. Uh, 1960 with Bishop Lambert Hope, dedicating our chapel our, uh, to Our Lady of Wisdom. And uh, we, uh, we like to try and mark that uh, in recent years with a rosary procession around campus on the Feast oh, wow. of Our Lady of the Rosary. Terrific. That's uh, it's interesting to say that I, we in, here in Sioux Falls um, we do a uh, every month we have something called Feast of Faith. It's sort of like theology on tap in the sense of um, you know we do it in a in a restaurant a, a, a pub uh, presentation. And in October on October seventh, Monsignor Charles Megan is going to be the presenter. Um, and the title that I gave his presentation is <laughs> uh, Mary the Rosary and a Naval Battle for the Ages uh, because the history and I'm just. Yeah, I'm, and 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 I'm gonna let, if, if Father, if you don't mind us letting our uh, uh, the audience members who don't know what we're talking about, you'll have to go do some research. But there is a reason why Mary, certainly, obviously the Rosary, but reference to a naval battle. Uh, Father mentioned the word Lepanto tied together on October seventh. It's it's a fascinating topic, um, and that's not simply Spanish for the pants. <laughs> no, it's not. So, uh, anything, Father, anything else um, about angels in general, archangels, the Saints Michael, Raphael, Gabriel in particular? That, uh, Other than official word of gratitude for my own archangel, no. Or my own uh, guardian angel, no. Amen. Some, uh, one of the th- interesting things to me, I think in England and maybe other places, other English-speaking countries, not in the U.S., but it's called, this feast is called Michaelmas, um, as in Michael Mass. Like much as in like Christmas, um, Candlemas is another one that they have. So, you know, you can uh, next year maybe people can uh, can uh, tease their friends. So, have you celebrated Michaelmas? And you know, I observe Andromas. Andromas, <laughs> as you should. So, um, good. So, uh, great feast day. Uh, make sure to uh, get to know your guardian angel um, because uh, there's a lot that he can do for you. Um, and then moving on from there, as, father, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, just Father and I, uh, I thought it might be fun just to talk about what's, what's on our minds um, 
individually, of course, of late. Father, what's uh, what's piqued your curiosity or struck your fancy these days? Well, I'm glad you uh, earlier had said what's what's on your head, and I was just, I'm not wearing anything on my head, and so I have to get a hat. But on my mind, uh, we had this. Uh, Talked with a couple of students last night, and uh, there was a uh, apparently a uh, a revelations or a rapture preacher in town, and some of the non-Catholic students are uh, asking some questions to some of our uh, students around about uh, you know the rapture and the tribulation and things like that. And so I've been having some fun conversations in that regard with them lately, and some stretching my mind to remember uh, what I've heard about the uh, some of the uh, fundamentalist or evangelical. Uh, visions of uh, of the rapture in the end times. And that's always a fun conversation, isn't it, Doctor Birdwell? It, it's uh, yes, a very interesting one. So, so did your students go listen to the presentation, or, or what, explain to me again what? No, they no, they just uh, have encountered some other students who know that they're Catholic. Okay, and they're like, "Hey, you Catholic friend, you know, what do you know about this?" And and out of curiosity, so your students, is this, I mean, uh, my experience, speaking for myself, literally my own experience, uh, until even just, a, frankly, I don't know, about five, six, seven years ago, um, in other words, even after my doctoral studies, I never really looked very closely into the whole, this this whole theory of, theology of um, the idea that there is this rapture, this... Uh, um, that believers will be taken up. So did your, I mean, had your students, were they familiar with it or were they able uh, to say anything about it? Not really, not really. I mean, they know uh, from my own preaching on the resurrection or things like that about uh, our Lord's second coming, but they weren't familiar with um, uh, these other details. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's, obvi- it's completely outside of our orbit, so to speak, as Catholics, because it's just, Something that we're very unfamiliar with, and re- and to be clear, by the way, we should be clear, um, be unfamiliar with because it's it's not true in the sense of the, Jesus will come again and the believers will be lifted up. That is the second coming. That is the end of time. Um, but there's this fascinating, uh, really and really intricate and complex, complicated, uh, I don't know, intellectual theory or foundation to the whole theology of the rapture. And I know, of course, certainly, uh, and we may have. Um, people who perhaps listen to the pot, listen to this episode, maybe who who believe in the rapture. But there's a book by Carl Olson called we'll "Which I Just Christ. Handed Out to Them Last Night." Excellent. It's a great book. I would highly recommend it to anybody, Catholic or not, who's uh, whether you believe in the rapture or not. It gives a great perspective. Carl Olson is a is a a Catholic speaker and writer. We've had him in our diocese several times. Um, Carl was raised as an evangelical, completely believed in the rapture. Uh, he he converted to Catholicism along with his wife when he was um, in his, I think his mid-20s or so, maybe early 20s. Um, and, and he's written this, this, it's a couple hundred pages long. It's an excellent book just explaining um, the 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 theology of the rapture and, 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 and some of the premises behind it that I think a lot of people who... Um, who even believe it, uh, are unfamiliar with. Basically, one of the things that Carl shows is how the people who developed the theology, the idea of the rapture, saw um, the church as plan B. Just one of these fascinating things. We could, we should do a podcast sometimes, Father, sometime, Father, on the rapture. And this would be a good idea because I mean, it's not so just. It's just not a story of invasion of the body snatchers. There's a whole vision of Christianity 
and what we live in today and Jesus' plans and what Jesus even intended to do on this earth that uh, come into play when you talk about um, uh, the rapture and rapture theology. Right. So, not to, so I sort of hijacked your what's on your mind. Go, so go ahead, Father. Sorry. No, that's good. I feel satisfied. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you gave this book to your students. Uh, are you going to quiz them on it? Or? <laughs> uh, no, we'll see. And, and we're going to probably get together and talk. And I, and under full disclosure, I haven't fully um, read, uh, haven't fully read uh, the Carl uh, uh, Olson book. And so. Yeah, I, I, I would highly, um, for, for any listener who's interested in this topic, it's, it's a fascinating read. And, and Carl writes, it's very much written for a layman. Um, it's, it's not meant for like graduate theology students or something. So, um, anything else off the top of your head, Father? Not today, no. No. What about you? What's on your brain? What's yeah, on so your... I, I, uh, I was telling Father, um, over the, this, this last weekend, I was reading a story. There was a, a young, well, I don't know how you put this. She was young when she died. There's, a, there's a, an Italian woman uh, who died um, about 20 years ago or so uh, when she was only 18 years old. She, so she was, her name's uh, Chiara Badano. Uh, she was born in 1971. So for me, just a couple years uh, younger than me. Um, so, you know, just one of those things where you think of how old somebody is and, and when the, your age. She, when she was 17, uh, she, 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 she was a tennis player. She loved to, to dance. She skate, was a skater. Uh, she was playing tennis, had a pain in her back. Um, where she, it, it was so, so strong that, that uh, it caused her to, uh, to drop the racket, went inside, and, and it turns out she had bone cancer. And within a year or so, she died. But um, she was she was involved with one of the movements in the church called Focolare, which was started by um, another Italian woman, uh, Chiara Lubic, uh, in in Italy, uh, in I think the the fifties or sixties, somewhere in there. And anyway, the, this young woman, who's also her first name is also Chiara. I mentioned it, Chiara Badano. Chiara Badano, um, just as as she's suffering through this bone cancer and approaching her death as as a young woman i'm i'm thinking back to when i was 18 and frankly my lack of faith and how i would have just contrasted how i would have endured this sort of situation with how she did um there's this article on this Catholic. There's, there's a Catholic uh, news agency that sends out uh, every day sends out um, uh, emails or you can read them on their website but articles about what's going on around the world in the Catholic Church, um, it's called Zenit, Z-E-N-I-T, and Zenit has just a really neat article about Chiara Badano uh, and, and and some of the things that as she was dying that she said or how she endured it uh, that just really struck me. Um, for instance, from the article, her mother. This this is the article. Her her mother still remembers when she came home after the first session of chemotherapy. She didn't want to t- want to talk. Maria Teresa, that's her mother. Maria Teresa recalled. I looked at her and I saw the expression on her face, all the struggles she was combating within herself to say her yes to Jesus. After 25 minutes, she said to her mother, now you can talk. So Chiara was, she, she was continually, she, she, the article says she often repeated, for you, Jesus, if you wish it, so do I. So just this, this complete abandonment to the will of God, to the will of Jesus, um, that, that if she 
and, and Father, you and I talked way back when we talked about um, pain and suffering. God does not ever positively desire suffering, but somehow sometimes he allows us to undergo suffering. Um, and 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 just the the faith that she had uh, as she was as she was undergoing as she was suffering through bone cancer and the attempts to treatment. The article says she spent several months in agony preparing for her encounter with Christ. A friend of hers said the most beautiful moments were were during the last summer. She was motionless in her bed. She didn't cry, didn't lament. She looked at the image of Jesus. She told me she wanted to be buried in a white dress as a bride that goes to meet Jesus. Uh, And Kiara um, said to her mother, when you dress me, in other words, after she dies, when, when you dress me, when you dress me, you must repeat three times, now Kiara is seeing Jesus. So this is what she asked of her mother um, as she herself was dying. And then the Holy Father himself on Sunday in his address before the angels referred to her beatification. So, so, sorry, I, Kiara was beatified on Saturday. Um, she was made blessed. As Father and I talked about uh, the Holy Father's beatification in England of, of uh, Cardinal Newman um, last month, or earlier this month. Uh, Kiara was also beatified, and the Holy Father referred to her beatification um, on su- this past Sunday. He says, he refers to Kiara's last words uh, of complete adherence to the will of God. Kiara's last words to her mother, Bye-bye, Mama. Be happy because I am. Be happy because I am. She's dying. These were literally the last words she spoke. And this is just, just, I was moved by by the, the strength and intensity of her faith and the serenity and the peace that it brought to her as she was dying. So just, I mean, the fact that, I mean, again, these are, I think sometimes you think about saints and they're old and, you know, of course they, they you know, but, but there, there are to, well, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of people who have been beatified and canonized who were young when they died. The thing that for me is with the saints, you know, not just thinking about their age, but we think the saints have an easy life. Right. Some way that they're just kind of floating around carefree. And, you know, it's easy to believe in God, but you don't have a care in the world. Well, no, I mean, this is one with deep cares. A young woman with deep cares, with deep uh, uh, worries. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of funny you think about that in terms of, uh, uh, is it uh, uh, Hitchens? Christopher Hitchens, yeah, yeah. Hitchens, a prominent atheist who has a very serious form of throat cancer. Yep. And, uh, you know, he says, well, I hope I don't uh, uh, convert in my deathbed. And right. it's... It's, it's funny that, uh, you know, there's kind of two different views amongst atheists that, well, only people that have an easy life can believe in God, because if you suffer, you can't believe in God, or if you're suffering, you can believe in God, because then you need to hold on to something. <laughs> right. Yeah, very much contradictory that way. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so just, but yeah, that, that was, that's something uh, that particularly has struck me lately, just this, this young woman, you know, our age, frankly, I mean, she... She she'd be thirty eight or so now, or almost, yeah, almost thirty nine, um, and just the the way that she endured this trial and the depth of her love for Christ and her her readiness, not just her readiness, but her excitement, um, desire to meet him and to be with him as she you know as she was dying, as she soon would be, and as she is now. So yeah. That, that desire for union is a beautiful thing. 
Absolutely. So, so that's uh, probably the biggest thing on my mind, Father. So. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So, uh, with that, any any final thoughts, Father? Uh, no, okay. uh, no final thoughts for me. Actually, uh, very good. Feel pretty, feel pretty, feel pretty thought it out. Very good. Um, so it, it, I've gotten yeah. s- some email from listeners, Father, and so I, it, for those of you who are listening, I'm always happy to hear your your comments, any questions you might have uh, relevant to one of our topics or not, just any question you might think might, one of us might be able to answer. Feel free to send your emails my way, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at s-f as in Frank, catholic.org. So until next time, have a good week and God bless. God bless you.